The following podcast is part of a certified educational activity titled New Evidence on Cardiac Myosin Inhibition in Hypertrophic Cardiomyopathy, Analysis from Washington, D.C. Access the entire activity and complete the post-test at peerview.com forward slash XXS 860. Downloadable slides and practice aids are also available. Hello, my name is Dr. Malin Desai, and I'm a cardiologist at the Cleveland Clinic in the Department of Cardiovascular Medicine, and I'm the director of Hypertrophic Cardiomyopathy Center here. Welcome to this educational activity on emerging data on HCM that we gleaned from at, at ACC 2022. My goal is to offer my perspective on where we are and where we are headed in the management of HCM. I hope to show you where some of these new developments will potentially fit into the overall clinical context. So HCM is an often underdiagnosed and undertreated disease. This is the most commonly inherited cardiac disease with a prevalence thought to be around one in 200 to one in 500. That puts the United States prevalence to around 750,000 patients of which we only know about 100,000. That means about 650,000 are underdiagnosed or misdiagnosed. Often patients commonly come to you after years of being misdiagnosed or just the, or never been diagnosed. And all these patients, as we have learned over the years, have a varied clinical course. A lot of them are asymptomatic. Many of them develop heart failure. Many of them have arrhythmic problems. And sometimes the initial presentation is fatal sudden cardiac death. HCM uh, is, a, is an energy inefficient process at a sarcomeric level. Uh, what ends up happening is there is these patients have significant hypercontractility due to extra cross bridging, which means that the heart is working harder than a normal heart. Uh, overall, there is increased uh, actin myosin cross bridges, uh, which add uh, which reduce the compliance and reduce the energy efficiency of the heart. So this is what happens in non-obstructive HCM. If you add a layer of obstruction to the hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, which is seen in about 70% patients, uh, LV outflow tract obstruction adds further to the symptomatology in addition to what is happening at a sarcomeric level. Uh, so, and overall, the combination of outflow tract obstruction plus suboptimal energy uh, utilization and worse, and worse compliance results in the combination of symptomatology that is seen in obstructive HCM. So 2020, uh, what does the guidelines say in terms of treatment for symptomatic HCM? In non-obstructive HCM patients with preserved EF, you treat them with beta blockers, diltiazem or verapamil. If things don't work out, use diuretics. Uh, and in highly selected cases, you may consider doing apical myectomy. And if things don't pan out, then heart transplant is an option. Folks with non-obstructive HCM with EF of less than 50% should be treated with standard guideline medical therapy. Uh, it is important to realize to discontinue diltiazem, verapamil, and disopyramide if they are on these, on these drugs. Consider an ICD according to guidelines or CRT, and eventually many patients, some patients may need heart transplant. In obstructive HCM, the standard treatment is beta blockers, diltiazem, or verapamil. 
it is important to avoid high-dose diuretics and vasodilators. In intractably symptomatic patients, you can choose to add disopyramide or consider uh, referring for septal reduction therapy, either alcohol septal ablation or myectomy. However, medical therapies have many limitations. Medical treatment cannot be worse than the disease. You have to be careful about the systemic side effects, including bradycardia, urinary retention, orthostatic hypotension. Folks on beta blocker, a big problem is erectile dysfunction in young adult men. Overzealous restriction of physical activity results in deconditioning and obesity with downstream ramifications for them. And you have to recognize that some of the genetic drugs may not be as effective, which can add to the symptomatology. As a result, sometimes enough is enough and you do shared decision-making and could con consider sending these patients for surgery. However, surgery or alcohol ablation, however, it is recommended that these procedures be done at expert centers based on the data shown in the panel on the right. If you get a, your a myectomies at an expert center, the number of myectomies before a death occurred was one, uh, one in more than 1,500. Compare that to a low volume where the death occurred one in six, or even a high volume, ostensibly a high volume center, one in 26. Clearly, these are glaring numbers suggesting a substantial heterogeneity in invasive management of these patients. However, such centers are few and far between, and you are, there is potentially an access issue to patients who need these procedures. Important to realize, surgery or invasive procedures are recommended for patients with advanced symptoms. Majority of these patients don't fall in that category and they should be exposed to some sort of medical therapy. So this is one of the areas where there is a high unmet need for developing uh, precision medical therapy in the context of hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. So in my opinion, HCM has a high level of unmet needs. The current therapies were not specifically developed for management of patients with HCM. We serendipitously identified that these patients could be benefited by these medical therapies. So septal reduction therapy is recommended for patients with intractable symptoms despite medical therapy. Optimal results do require specialized care as we talked about, which is not widely available. As a result, there is an unmet need for non-invasive alternatives to septal reduction therapy. And let's talk about this exciting new class of drugs, the cardiac myosin inhibitors, which is altering the narrative of how we manage the HCM patients. So let's talk about what's the latest evidence that has emerged out of, Washington, out of the most recent ACC 2022. How do cardiac myosin inhibitors work? They are small molecules specifically designed to decrease hypercontractile force at the level of sarcomere. These are, mechanism of action is reversible and they're cardiac specific. So the systemic side effects are expected to be low. Mavacampton, uh, this was developed as a first-in-class agent cardiac myosin inhibitor. This targets myosin heavy chain beta it stabilizes the super relaxed state of myosin and it reduces myosin head availability. It 
basically reduces the the myo the actin myosin cross bridging hence reducing the hypercontractility and as a downstream impact in obstructive hcm patients it also reduces the outflow tract gradient and all the negative ramifications related to that hcm is a complex disease and one of the trials that was presented at the HC at acc was the valor hcm trial uh, Essentially, Valor HCM trial was designed to, to see if uh, Mavacamptan would serve as an alternative to SRT. SRT is effective, no doubt about that. In the right hands, it is an excellent tool. However, it, is, it may not be for everyone. On account of access, unfavorable anatomy, comorbidities, variable symptomatic improvement, patient preference, as well as the heterogeneous morbidity, mortality, depending upon where you are. And as a result, to me, it's all about expanding the tent. The more tools and options we have for our patients, the better they are. The unmet need is, can we provide an acceptable medical alternative that improves symptom burden and avoids the risk of invasive therapy? So, so Valor HCM, this is the study design of the Valor HCM uh, trial that was presented as a late-breaking trial. It was conducted in 19 U.S. HCM centers where uh, 112 patients got randomized to either placebo or Mavacamptan, which was started at 5 milligram dose. Uh, every patient was followed up by an echo and, uh, every month with dose up titration or down titration uh, at weeks 8 and 12. The doses range from 2.5 milligrams to 15 milligrams. Importantly, the dose titration was done only using LV ejection fraction and LVOT gradients, either at rest or, or Valsalva. There was no pharmacodynamic uh, monitoring and adjustments of dose. What was the primary endpoint? In a Valor HCM, 100% patients had intractable symptoms and were referred for surgical or uh, alcohol-related septal reduction therapy. So 100% patients at baseline met criteria and were referred for SRT. So the primary endpoint was how many patients chose to proceed to SRT or continued to meet guideline eligibility for SRT after 16 weeks. Or the flip side of looking at it is how many people no longer met guideline criteria. There were also secondary endpoints, including change in post-exercise LVOT gradient, number of patients with more than one class of NYHA improvement, Kansas City summary score improvement, and change or improvement in pro-BNP and troponin I. So, what did the Valor trial show? Uh, the data was, uh, this was a standard uh, HCM population with 60 years of uh, age. Almost 50% were females, 93% were patients with NYHA class three or higher. 36% uh, were on combination, 32% uh, were on combination medical therapy and 20% were on diisopyramide. So this is the first time everything was allowed uh, on these patients. And what we found was that in Mavacampton group, remember 100% at the outset were SRT eligible uh, and were referred for it. In Mavacampton group, only 18% remained 
eligible at week 16 versus 77% in the placebo arm. Uh, this was an absolute treatment difference of 58.9 and a highly significant p-value. At week 16, all patients were offered to proceed with SRT, but 95% chose to continue in long-term extension medical therapy rather than proceed with SRT. Again, showing in other way, 82%, the, the panel on the left shows 82% people in the Mavacampton group no longer remain guideline eligible for SRT. Compare that to 77, I mean 23% in the, uh, the placebo group. The panel on the right shows 63% patients had a one class improvement in NYHA and 27% had a two class improvement in NYHA on Mavacampton. Some of the uh, secondary endpoints, all the secondary endpoints were improved in favor of Mavacampton, including resting in Valsalvalvirt gradient, uh, Kansas City questionnaire, uh, as well as biomarkers BNP and, and, and troponin. There were no permanent treatment discontinuations in Valor HCM. And there were two patients who required temporary reduction in ejection fraction uh, in temporary discontinuation due to reduction in mild reduction in EF less than 50%, but they resumed soon after at a lower dose with no significant uh, adverse effects. EF in the entire study remained similar between uh, Mavacampton and, and placebo. Uh, no subjects experienced CHF syncope or sudden cardiac death. It had some limitations. Obviously, this is a small size study, 112 patients and only 16 week duration. There's a long-term long extension ongoing. There is a minor decrease in EF. Of course, this drug does reduce contractility and two out of 56 had slightly higher decrease, but that was transient. If <clears throat> the clinical or hemodynamic benefit would have been greater with SRT, that remains to be seen. Obviously, you know, this is a small study of medical therapy. Total human experience with myosin inhibitors is about 400 since 2018. Uh, it amounts to about 360 patient years. And there's, so there's more data coming, more data of all kinds coming and more uh, what you call, uh, there will be truth shed uh, in the years to come. It does suggest uh, patients would prefer non-surgical treatment uh, based on the Valor study. And this was a, the study showed that the dose titration is feasible using ECHO, uh, especially core lab assessed. And there were expected improvements in LVOT gradient. There was consistent benefits in biomarkers and QOL. Uh, so as I have mentioned before, uh, patients, there is all, you can always look at it as patients were possibly holding out for medical therapy uh, in the long term. But time will tell how many people are able to sustain long term uh, on medical therapy. The next study that was presented was the Mavacampton long-term extension study, the interim results of long-term efficacy and safety of Mavacampton. Uh, we, oh, we talked about this before uh, and the Explorer HCM study is a phase three study which reduced LVOT gradient and improved symptoms, functional capacity, and health status over 30 weeks in symptomatic patients. But unlike the Valor study, 72% patients were in NYHA class two. Uh, 
MAVA LTE is an ongoing dose-blinded five-year study of MAVA Campton. And patients with symptomatic obstructive HCM uh, patients were enrolled in this. So the interim results, the objective was to present uh, updated results on long-term efficacy and safety of MAVA Campton cohort of the MAVA, of the Explorer cohort of the MAVA LTE study. What it showed was there was rapid and sustained improvement in resting and Valsalva alveoti gradient that went all the way to week 84, as is shown in both the graphs. Significant improvement, and the difference between a central core lab read versus site read was negligible. In fact, the, the graphs are superimposed virtually. Decrease of LVEF was observed consistent with its mechanism of action, but not significantly different. And there were slight differences between central read versus core lab read, but not statistically significant. NYHA class also improved by one in 58.9% cases and by two classes in 6% cases in the MAVA Campton group at week 12. And it persisted, the difference, the improvement persisted at uh, week 48. Uh, so all in all, this, this is absolutely convincing data of the long-term efficacy of this drug, at least up to 48 years. And in many cases, even uh, 48 weeks, in some cases, all the way up to week 84. And again, this is over, over a fair amount of time now. Uh, it was well tolerated, and this is the uh, adverse event. Uh, majority of them had mild adverse events, and severe events were noted in about 9% patients. Remember, these are sick and symptomatic HCM patients. There were three deaths, and data will be reported about the details of what that is about. Uh, decreased LVEF uh, incidence per 100 patient years was about 2.53. So uh, the data is similar to what has been pre previously reported on short-term analyses. So, 26, 11% patients had temporary treatment disinterruption per protocol due to meeting one qualifying event, uh, and these are listed here. LVEF less than 50% was seen in 5% patients. Uh, 7%, 7 patients resumed Mavacampton treatment, 5% permanently discontinued. Uh, QT interval was seen in 3% patients. 77% patients remain on study treatment. So what were the conclusions? Treatment with Mavacampton showed clinically important improvements in gradients, functional class, and BNP levels, all the way extended to 48 weeks, well-tolerated. Uh, event, events of less than 50% ejection fraction occurred in, uh, with a similar frequency as previously reported, uh, and LVEF recovered without further sequelae. And basically, uh, report the, the suggestion that a dose titration and monitoring strategy by site-measured clinical parameters, including LVOT gradients and EF, is totally feasible and safe. So another paper that was presented at ACC was uh, the impact of Mavacampton on cardiopulmonary exercise testing uh, in patients with obstructive HCM. Again, what it showed was there was a significant improvement in all the various metrics that people uh, are used to observing on cardiopulmonary exercise testing, including 
peak uh, VTVCO2, the number of METs achieved, the exercise time, peak PETCO2, as well as uh, circulatory power. In, to, to summarize in one line, every aspect of a CPET uh, showed an improvement in favor of Mavacampton. Afikampton, moving on, there was another abstract presented on Afikampton. This is next in line uh, that is currently being developed. Again, targets myosin heavy chain. It slows phosphate release from the myosin and stabilizes weak actin myosin binding uh, in, in patients. So Redwood HCM phase two efficacy and safety in patients with obstructive HCM was uh, shared, uh, especially the cohort three data from Redwood HCM where patients were uh, on Afikampton plus disopyramide plus standard of care, uh, 13 patients were uh, studied. And the table one on the right shows the mean age of 59 years, uh, seven females. Uh, NYHA class three was seen in 61 patients, 61% uh, patients, and standard, this is a standard uh, symptomatic HCM population with elevated gradients uh, at rest and Valsalva as well as pro-BNP. What it showed is that the, the <clears throat> gradients significantly improved uh, uh, after, while on treatment and following washout, they went back to, to, to the baseline. Uh, EF was also, did not uh, drop significantly and uh, basically remain stable after washout. So the hemodynamic response in obviously the placebo group, there's only 7% improvement uh, in the cohort three that was presented, 46.2% patients had a complete, uh, what is described as a complete response where the gradient at rest is less than 30 millimeters and with Valsalva is less than 50 millimeters. NYHA class uh, in Afikampton cohort three 85% had a more than one class improvement uh, compared to placebo where 31% uh, improved. And in the cohort two, 64, and in cohort one, 43%. Similarly, the biomarkers, troponin as well as anti-pro-BNP showed significant change from baseline of, uh, in, in cohorts one, two, as well as three. There is a Sequoia HCM phase three trial that is coming uh, online and we shall be hearing about it, which is testing a strategy of placebo plus standard of care versus Afikampton uh, plus standard of care at week 64, uh, uh, not week, up to week 24 in symptomatic obstructive HCM patients. So more data is forthcoming. So what's next? Uh, clinical trials are coming fast and furious in this space, which is good, which is great for patients. The next is the non-obstructive HCM cohort, where we really don't have too many medical or surgical options. So the Maverick HCM was a phase two dose finding study uh, on Mavacampton, which showed significant reduction in pro-BNP. Uh, and reversible reduction in EF to less than 45% in about 13% patients. Redwood HCM cohort four is testing this population and there is a planned uh, phase three randomized control trial using Mavacampton. So a lot of stuff happening in this space and a lot of new exciting data coming on online. So 
Where will the myosin inhibitors fit into the management of obstructive uh, HCM patients? Of course, we have to do studies to, to decide where things are gonna fit in, but clearly we have to do some basic things right. So you have to treat comorbidities. You have to avoid things like vasodilators and diuretics. Some patients, you start with the standard therapy, beta blocker and or verapamil or diltiazem, if they still remain symptomatic, then, then becomes an important question. Do the myosin inhibitors fit in there next, or do you go to disopyramide? Do you go to septal reduction therapy? So all these things have to uh, be uh, understood and refined. These, these flow diagrams have to be refined as, the, as more data, and frankly, our comfort zone becomes better uh, with, with time. So how, how do we dissipate this care? How do we dispense care to an HCM patient? The key word, if nothing else, is shared decision-making. So we need to learn, uh, develop uh, cohesive plans of co-management, not just with centers of excellence, but with primary cardiologists as well as primary providers. And this is a team sport, and we will need genetics and EP and surgery and clinical care and imaging, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but most important, you need the patient to buy into all these, okay? So the patient is front and center into everything. So as I alluded to, shared decision-making means putting the patient in the center. It should not be about your center uh, at the center of this center, okay? Because what we, as I have alluded to consistently, is we, the patients need, would benefit from care at highly experienced centers, but we just simply do not have enough of those. So it is increasing awareness, setting up more centers of excellence, but making sure we are doing our part in keeping the patient at the center by improving the diagnosis and uh, communicating well, providing them with best options of medical care, imaging care, as well as when needed, invasive care, including arrhythmic care. So to conclude, cardiac myosin inhibitors are a novel class of treatment option uh, which potentially could address an unmet need by targeting the underlying pathophysiology of HCM. These are the first treatment to offer many patients a non-invasive disease-modifying option. Of course, the long-term safety and efficacy uh, will need to be continued to be tested, but so far the data published on Mavacampton appears to be very positive. So how do I look at, what are my main takeaways? My main takeaways, this is a clarion call for us to increase uh, our diagnostic capabilities of patients with HCM. 100,000 recognized patients, 700, 750,000 potentially other patients, that, that's a huge gap to fill. So I think at the very least, we need to increase our ability to be better diagnosticians. Another important thing is once all these new therapies come into the market, uh, we have to develop strategies of co-managing these patients. Not everybody can be managed all the time at a uh, high volume center of excellence. So every, we will have to work together with primary cardiologists as well as HCM specialists to, to continue to provide high quality care to these patients. We have to learn the nuances of how to provide imaging 
uh, for serial follow-up as well as dose titration. Another important thing is we have to refine criteria as to which patients benefit from medical therapy, which patients benefit from SRT. The way I look at it is as follows. Medical therapy, especially these novel class of inhibitors, could be used in some patients as an alternative to SRT, in some people who want to defer SRT for a period of time, in some people who may not be good candidates for SRT uh, because of comorbidities or not adequate anatomy, and some people who just do not have access to SRT. So the key is to expand the tent of offerings for a given patient so that they have choices uh, before, uh, so that they have choices for for a, in a highly improved quality of life. And at the end of the day, we have to remember, it is not about this versus that, it is always this plus minus that. And the bottom line is, the patient should be at the front and center of everything. Thank you so much. Hope you found this activity useful. This activity is certified by PVI, Peerview Institute for Medical Education. Thank you for listening. Download materials and complete the post-test for instant credit at peerview.com forward slash XXS860. This activity is supported through an educational grant from Bristol-Myers Squibb.